Hello and welcome back to Parallel Passion. Before we begin, I'd like to sincerely thank everyone who supports this show on Patreon. Maybe it's because of Christmas or New Year's or because I had my birthday. Whatever the reason, I got a couple of new supporters since the last episode and I'm very grateful for that. If you wish to join these awesome people, go to patreon.com slash or follow the link in the show notes. You'll not only be supporting this podcast and the idea behind it, but you'll also receive some awesome stickers and maybe even a special surprise. Today I'm joined by Jürgen de Gruff. He's very prominent in the Ruby community as one of the organizers of Belgian Ruby, but mostly Arcam. So we discuss a bit how it is to organize a conference like that. Afterwards, we dive into running, but the majority of the show revolves around his astonishing accomplishment of cycling from Canada to Mexico along the hilly side of the west coast of USA. I'm super excited about this episode, so let's jump right into it. Hi, Joran. Welcome to Parallel Passion. Hi. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. And you? Oh, it's uh, great. Um, I'm glad to be back after after New Year's. I, I took a brief time off and uh, I'm back now. <laughs> So um, wh- why don't we start by you telling briefly like uh, who you are and what do you do? Yeah, so I'm uh, Joran and I live in Belgium. I am a developer, like a Ruby and Rails developer for about a little more than 10 years, I think. Um, and I'm one of the few in Belgium that actually learned Rails and Ruby at school, like in, a, in a college, I think you oh. say. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there was a <clears throat> like there was a development course, and we had a big chunk of it being Java, and then a big chunk being like all Microsoft stuff. And then we had one teacher who was like, "Yeah, uh, he w- was supposed to teach us an open source language, and he could decide what it was." And he thought, "Well, you can learn PHP in a weekend if you want. <laughs> uh, let's let's take on something more challenging." Um, <laughs> Well, 10 years ago or <laughs> almost 15 years ago. And then he, he just learned it uh, during the summer. And then in, in September, he he just uh, yeah learned us all the tricks about it. And were you immediately like in love with Ruby or like, um, I don't know, passionate about it? <laughs> well, I don't know. Like I, I learned how to program at school. So until I was like 16 or 17, I had like, just played a bit with, with HTML, but actual programming I learned at school. And I think I just dislike Java and .NET uh, <laughs> more than, than the other stuff. And then I did my internship at a, a company that uh, did Ruby on Rails. And it was only until then that I really uh, fell in love with it and really enjoyed it. Mm. I'm I'm asking because um, the way I got to know you, like I don't even know, like it's been a while. A uh, uh, long way back was at uh, at our camp. Um, it's a conference that you co-organized, I guess, or were you the only organizer? Uh, no, no, it was with a with a couple of colleagues. Um, yeah, so so when we like my my first company, where I did my internship with, uh, I just stayed there uh, afterwards, and they. Uh, were a ho- that yeah, they were a hosting company, mm-hmm. and they they were the only one in Belgium doing Ruby on Rails hosting, and they knew that there were more people like more developers doing doing Rails, but they wanted to bring like the community together uh, in some way, um, so and that was when when I jumped in and first organized a bit of like. Uh, just local conferences was only in the evening and it was already called R camp. 
Mm. It was based off the Barcam principle, principles. Now, with, with four R's uh, as you started, or did you add those uh, later? No, no, with the four R's. So, okay. Yeah, we wanted to do something Barcam. So, everybody had to prepare a talk uh, who came. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it had to be like about Ruby and about Rails. And we had some other people uh, working at our office that were building websites with Radiant. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's still around, like it's I a CMS. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> built built with Ruby. So then we had like about Ruby, Rails, Radiant. So we had three R's, but it just looked better with four R's. So that's, <laughs> and then we decided that the fourth R should be uh, rum. So <laughs> we, we had the uh, mojito cocktails at the end of each R camp. Yeah, I, I remember this. I think it was, I don't know, like second or third conference that I attended, like at all. And it was uh, immediately completely different than everything uh, I've I've been to before. Like it was much more relaxed. People were super nice. Um, it was it was great. And then like the mojitos came and like, what, what's happening? Like, where am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like always a nice thing to do that right before the closing keynote. So everybody was a bit more more happy <laughs> because of the the rum uh and then yeah we try to have like a less technical closing of the event so yeah i i remember the last time that i was there um the there were also lightning talks against uh sorry after the uh the the mojito and uh, i did a lightning talk and maybe it would be better that i didn't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think indeed that, that the last time we 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 did only lightning talks, uh, mm -hmm. just because we also like had large breaks in between all the talks uh, because we we just liked the interaction with with all the other people that were joining. Mm -hmm. uh, so one talk, one large break, then another talk, um, and it was our same the same idea with with the lightning talks. We had them on each day, just because everybody who would attend the they always have like fun little things to to talk about or to show or something they played with or maybe something they learned during the conference so mm. and who came up with this idea to have like more relaxed conference with more time between talks and all that i think just that was the kind of conference that that we liked um we visited uh, like one or two conferences a year uh, around europe um, it was Hannes who was uh, like a colleague back then who organized it with me, and yeah, that was the the thing that we liked was like less talks or less long talks and more breaks and talking to people. Um, I guess it's the same reason why you started post this podcast, right? Mm. Like the fun part about about being at a conference is meeting people and talking to people, and yeah, I I think. I might trace back the original idea about this podcast to to our camp. Like I'm not sure it's a bit fuzzy in my in my head, but I know that um, uh, it was definitely the com the conference that exposed me most to the hallway track. Basically, just being around people that do similar things and talk about other stuff than engineering. And um, I find it like really really interesting to discuss. Oh, obviously, like you said, I started a podcast on this, but like I really find it in interesting to discuss like other things that people do. Yeah, I think it. I don't remember like correctly, but I I think we there was this conference like in in Stockholm. I think it was Nordic Ruby or something, mm -hmm. and it was just like everybody would stay at this uh, Japanese spa for uh, like two days, 
and you would eat breakfast together, have lunch together, uh, have something to eat together in the evening. And you would like everybody was in, in the same place. And unless you paid more, you were also put in a shared room. So you would sleep with other people that you had no idea who they were <laughs> up front. And like the whole idea was, was, was just such a, such a nice thing uh, to experience. Yeah, I've heard about it, but I've never been there because um, at the time that it was going, I was a student and it was quite expensive, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, because it was like, yeah, also your hotel and stuff like that, but then mm. on the more expensive side. So mm. uh, yeah, I was happy that I, I was I was able to go there twice. Uh, how many iterations of our camp did you, did you do? Uh, in total, we did nine. Oh, wow. So yeah, in the beginning, it was every six months. But then after, I think, three or four times, yeah, Belgium is not that big, so... I mean, I'm, I'm from Slovenia, so... Yeah. <laughs> but everybody, like the community in Belgium was not that big, so everybody gave their talks they, they had prepared, and, and after a while, it was just the same people giving the same kind of talks. Is, is it related to Ruby Belgium in any way, or is that a completely separate thing? Uh, yeah, no, it, it like, uh, at some point, we... With the conference, like it, it has a whole pirate team, and then we hijacked the the Belgian Rubik <laughs> community, uh, and we called it Arwech, like our user group. <laughs> and then just a couple of years ago, we had some fresh blood uh, that re revamped it uh, as Ruby Belgium. Um, and do you plan to do it again? Like, are you at liberty to discuss that? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I want to. Like uh, the last two editions were pretty tough uh, money-wise mm -hmm. and we only like got break even the week before the conference uh, from some lost selling tickets uh, it also became harder to to find sponsors uh, and then like Hannes and I were a bit like not really burned out but just too stressed to really enjoy it mm -hmm. and then we said yeah if we do a, like a tense edition it should be like uh, something special and we should really enjoy it first again and knowing that that will 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 enjoy not only the the two days of the conference but also like the the months and months of preparation mm. so. so will it be called our camp x <laughs> yeah who knows <laughs> um is there like uh, a lesson or something that stuck with you organizing a conference um like international conference of that size mm. Yeah, do it with more than two people. <laughs> <laughs> like, like in in the end, we we had some other people from from the community joining, but it was just way too hard for us to let things go. And we always said, "Oh yeah, I know how it has to be done, so I'll do it." And then in the end, it was like Hannes and I who did everything again, or almost everything. And it's just yeah, too much for for two people to find sponsors, speakers, arrange the hotel, the catering, the venue, all, all those kind of things. Um, yeah, especially since like it's an after-hours activity, right? It's not your primary job. Yeah, indeed. Was this um, the the burnout or the exhaustion that then like uh, led you to start um, being more active uh, in, in your personal life, like outside work? Or did you do this before, like running and all that? Yeah, I, I did it before, but not on a like... Not a very structural way, so. Um, but the the running part that that's that's a fun story because I I started climbing a bit, and starting to really enjoy it. So wanted to take it to a next level, and 
the guy who was like running uh, uh, a place here nearby uh, where I live, where you can go for like bouldering. So not a really high climbing, but just the the lower one without your being attached to anything. Mm -hmm. And we were like, hey, can you teach us a bit on how to get better? Because uh, you can get to some like certain point where you just, if you're strong enough, you can climb, but yeah, you, you need more technique. Um, so we learned a bit of a technique and then uh, he said, yeah, if I want to um, get in better shape, you should start running uh, <laughs> next to climbing. Uh, and so I started running and I stopped climbing uh, completely. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long ago was that? I think uh, three or four years ago. No, so not so long. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, we, we like every year we'd, we would do a 5K run in town, uh, but I would I would never like run more than 5k because i was always completely cramped after it and how much do you run now yeah now i i like uh, i did my first marathon in 2017 uh and i just started like a new schedule for my next one uh this year okay where where will will it be yeah it will be in uh, in antwerp uh, in belgium and uh, is it coming up soon or is it later uh, in, the in the like uh the 28th of april i think so oh, okay so yeah. quite soon yeah yeah quite soon um but we like we last week um my wife and i she's also into running uh and for her it would be the first marathon so um we did like uh this went to see a doctor to do some kind of tests like to see where your uh, when your lactate is showing up and like oh, a more wow. scientific uh, <laughs> approach, uh, and it was really interesting, like um, to, to to actually see all the things I did wrong the last uh, time. Oh, and and the doctor tells you that you know about like the the heart rate zones and stuff like that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but just have uh, to to have a basic explanation what's happening in in each zone, like when you burn fat and when you transition to burning sugar and that's bad because when you burn sugar uh like uh, in your muscles you they produce like the lactate uh, mm -hmm. and then you just cramp up and it's yeah way harder to recover from that than to just stay as long as possible in a lower heart rate zone and then maybe in the end do a little extra effort um, and i just like in, in my first marathon i just like all the adrenaline you you worked for it for like weeks and weeks and weeks and then mm -hmm. i started and i just started running way too fast yeah that's that's a typical mistake like i did that as well and now every time i am like consciously just breaking in the beginning just be like no go slower go slower go slower there's a this thing called negative split which basically means that you should do uh, the first half of the mar marathon slower than the second um, which uh, makes sense in theory, but in practice, I, I haven't been <laughs> able to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like w when I did mine, two weeks before that, my brother-in-law did, did one some, uh, in Berlin. Mm. Oh, not in Berlin. I don't know where. Yeah, that doesn't matter. And he had the same thing. Like He, he started way too fast and then he cramped up. And, and I was like, okay, don't start too fast. Don't start too fast. And then I started too fast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this this year, well, actually, last year, damn, time time flies. Um, I uh, I had this app on my um, on my Garmin watch. I'll put it in show notes. Uh, but basically, what it does is like you can press the lap on any on on every uh, mile marker or kilometer marker that you see, 
and it calculates like how fast you're going based on those markers. So not uh, just on GPS, but also on the markings on the road. So uh, it can predict better uh, like the, the actual time. And I try to be as consistent as possible, like I said, uh, time for myself in the beginning, and it, it worked quite well. And um, it was really good to see, like, coming coming in the finish line for the last, I don't know, five, like, 5K before the finish line, I almost knew what my what my result will be if, if everything keeps on going the way it went so far. Oh, that's nice. Do you plan to run it to the the marathon together with your wife or Yeah, not at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, because I yeah. It's when I did like the first one, I said, okay, maybe I'll do it again someday, but only if I like really fully um like it takes a lot of time to to practice. You have to run for four time uh for days a week uh it has a, an impact on your social life but what social life i don't i don't know that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so so if i i yeah if i'm going to train this time um and i i'll i'll do the race then i want to run a bit faster than last time as well so and and that is how fast like what's your what's your goal my goal is in three hours 30 minutes oh wow that's yeah. ambitious. well that's what yeah, that's what the doctor said that I should that that should be a goal that that should be doable if I if I train well. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you, you haven't done it yet, but like that's uh, a it's a pretty pretty good prediction. Do you follow any training plans? Um, like, uh, did you like um, find something online? Do you have a book, or you have someone to build the plan? How do you train? Yeah, just uh, that was part of the test. Like uh, afterwards, we got a, a personalized training schedule. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was one of the reasons that that we went to that doctor. So mm. uh, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And how fast did you run the the your first time? I did it in three hours and 52 minutes. Oh, even that is good. That's much, much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Were you always like athletic as a, as a like younger person? Um, in, in a way that, that I always lived um, about 15K from, from school and I always drove my bike there. So yeah, that was like in, in my younger years, most of the training I did. Um, mm-hmm. Well, training, yeah. most of the exercise I did. Uh, Beside that, I just occasionally did something else, but not for a long time. That's my, like, I, I started running because I was getting fat <laughs> and I didn't train much because, like, as you know, I work from home. As uh, I, I don't know, do you do you go to the office or do you work from home? Uh, I, I work from home more, uh, more often these days. Mm. Yeah, basically because of, yeah, we did a long, long trip uh, earlier like a couple of months ago and it was just harder to be at the office afterwards uh, the distractions were yeah harder to filter out uh, yeah than, than it used to be yeah uh, speaking about this uh, <laughs> i i won't even try to describe it like you you uh, do the executive summary and then we can dive into what like where where were you for three months <laughs> yeah for uh, like three months from uh, August until the end of October. Uh, my wife and I, we drove our bicycle, like our touring bicycle from Canada to the Mexican border. Uh, on the So on the West Coast, we, we crossed the, the entire United States on our bike. I don't, I don't even know where to start asking, but like, um, maybe why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, like, 
my wife just graduated as as a doctor and it was the perfect time for us before she she um, started uh, working in a hospital to to take a longer time off like more than than three weeks mm-hmm. um, and then we started thinking yeah what do we want to do do we do we just go somewhere and then travel from country to country and 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 very soon we yeah, it wasn't our thing like uh, we would be traveling a lot like going from from one place to another and we used to just like to hike and and be in one place and take in everything that we see from that place and we didn't really like traveling so much uh, and then we were already riding our bicycles a lot uh, and then we we decided to like take on an adventure like that and and do it on bike we could just like do one one big stretch uh it was a bit hard at first to compromise that we will only be traveling like in one country because it's uh, it's not going to happen soon again that we'll have three months off and we'll be yeah. i i wanted to like do the whole asia thing and, and <laughs> visit a lot of countries or uh go to so- south africa uh, or or uh, south america and like visit every culture you can you can uh, find over there but mm-hmm. but in the end i was happy that that we just could find one large route that we could ride our bikes on and um, maybe the culture in the us was kind of the same but the the nature it's like uh, it's amazing it's it was like all the different kind of uh, kind of uh, places that we've been like from from the desert to the mountains to uh, a bit of snow and all kind of forests and stuff like that so that in that in that yeah in that way it wasn't it we didn't feel like uh, we just were in one single country and that's yeah that was cool did you know about anyone who did this before or was it just um let's let's do this out of uh, thin air well we have some friends who do like longer bike trips but only like in two weeks or three weeks but in the in the us you have like uh, these big routes that are like you can buy maps of them mm-hmm. and so we knew that yeah it, since there are maps of the entire route that it's it's doable for us and uh, it's doable for us like in in this amount of time so yeah and i know you went to like what was it like almost a year ago when you went to vietnam for sort of a test run right yeah yeah that's true what was that yeah like uh, like a test run or did you um have uh other things in mind when you went there for what was it three weeks uh yeah no it was planned for two weeks but then i uh forgot to renew my passport and when we were at the airport they were like yeah and do you have another one i was like no <laughs> <laughs> so in the end we only <laughs> so i had to like uh, get a new one very fast uh, and and lose a couple of days so it was just for for 10 days that we were in vietnam mm-hmm. um, but that was our, our first test with with the we bought some second hands touring bikes uh we tested them with like all the luggage we we would use on our trip uh in vietnam yeah what what is in the luggage like what do you bring with you because like you are riding your bike with everything that you have right yeah like there there's no um drop zones or anything like you just have everything and you go yeah yeah that's true well i i did like uh send my sleeping bag 
back home and bought a new one because it was a bit too cold because we were so high up in the mountains uh, often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you you bring as as you you leave as much <laughs> things at home, and even afterwards, I could think of of a couple of things to leave at home. You you just bring uh, a, a extra pair of uh, clothes, like when you get wet and for in the evenings, something like that. Your your tent sleeping bag, sleeping pad, and then some cooking gear and some things to fix your bike. And, and that's about it. What about taking a shower? Uh, yeah, you like, we, we went, like we stayed in a lot of these national campgrounds and often you just have uh, um, a little spring nearby or a, a lake or just uh, some running water. And you appreciate like, the actual times you 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 are at the campsite with warm water you appreciate those much more after a while <laughs> and you you just embrace the the stink so you like uh, it, it's okay to 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 smell a bit like you're out there and you get used to it <laughs> how many hours do you spend on a bike yeah so we we started off doing about yeah days where we would ride our bike for four hours i think more or less like that mm-hmm. uh, but in the end it was more yeah six or eight hours just because yeah we were in better con- uh, like in better shape <laughs> it was like we we still had this our route planned or like we had an idea that we would need to get to that little town to buy some food. And in the beginning, that was pretty much what happened. But after like a month or so or three weeks, uh, when we would arrive at our like, quote, destination for that day, it was only two o'clock in the afternoon. And we're mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's a bit <laughs> a bit lazy to, to just stop riding our bike now. So we just continued. And, <laughs> and Speaking of food... Um- since you're active all day, I imagine you must have eat like must eat a lot. Yeah, it's like constant eating and all the junk you can you can get like candy bars and <laughs> uh, we started out like with just taking the the small bottles of coke or or, or something else when we were at a, a gas station, for example. But uh, even the smaller ones are like the big ones here in Belgium. <laughs> but then but then after a while, we were like, yeah, I just need the sugar and the caffeine is nice as well. So I just take the biggest one I can get every time. It's so extremely cheap. So, so not really healthy diet. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but yeah, that, that's what like my body was craving for, like mm. sugar, calories, fat, uh, how hard it is to adjust back then when you're not traveling anymore and your body still wants to eat yeah it was hard like there was no no more like my my body had no way of saying stop this is enough and (laughs) i just kept on eating and eating and eating it was it was hard to like notice this at first (laughs) because in the beginning you're like yeah i'm hungry so i just keep eating (laughs) but then after a while, after a couple of days, I was like, hmm, I'm not moving that much. Maybe I should stop at <laughs> like regular size <laughs> meals instead of like eating double what I was used to. Yeah, I'm asking because this has happened to me since I started running. Like before my appetite wasn't really that big. I didn't eat much. But then now I can just eat and eat and eat. And like 
Um, I don't run nearly enough for how much I'm eating. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm gaining weight again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> What do you do like when you're set up a, a camp? Like, do you did you read books or did you? Yeah. So also, like in the first few weeks, um, you just try to. You're used to like the way you live back home. So when it's nine o'clock and you're tired, you're not going to bed because it's only nine o'clock. But yeah, it, it took us just a week or two when we noticed, yeah, we're just going to sleep when we're tired. So, <laughs> uh, and and the good thing is that that you just wake up when you're yeah when you uh, had enough sleep. So sometimes at 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 six or seven in the morning, we we're just up. Uh, we pack up everything we had a pretty good system that evolved a little bit over time but yeah if you do it every day you you know how to break up your tent uh, you know who does what mm -hmm. and then i think more or less in in less than an hour from waking up we were on our bikes okay uh, and then depending on if we still need to like buy some stuff we would stop at the the first town we we get to We buy everything we need and we just um, continue biking until we get to the campsite. Uh, we try to set up first thing as soon as possible to like set up everything and make sure that yeah, once we get tired, we can just go to sleep and then we read a bit or if we're at a place where we can get a, get to swim in a lake or, or somewhere else to get a bit freshened up because it was like <laughs> super hot uh, uh, like the whole way. The whole trip and then we would make make dinner just something something easy but with uh, enough calories uh, and then most of the times we would just get in our tents in our sleeping bags and try to read for a bit and then after 10-15 minutes our eyes would just uh, <laughs> just start closing I was like, okay this is this day has has been long enough uh, and then we just uh, fell asleep And imagine you had a Kindle or something because carrying a lot of books around would be extra weight. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, <laughs> how do you how do you charge your devices? Um, did you get did you have some sort of solar pack thing on your bikes or how does that work? Yeah, yeah, we we indeed brought like we had a, a pretty big uh, battery pack, but we mainly used a solar panel, um, and yeah, that works because. The weather was was good, and we could charge our like both our phones uh, during uh, like during lunch when the the sun was at its best. Um, mm -hmm. We could just get from zero to a hundred percent for two phones, and that would be enough for for another day. Uh, and then sometimes at a campsite when there was like power, we would like hook up everything and just uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, charge everything. And then we we made sure that. All the electronics we had were uh, USB chargeable, so I got a different charger for my my camera uh, and stuff like that. Uh, and then we could just charge it with the solar panel. That was that was enough. What were all the things that you you brought on the trip, like from electronics side? Uh, just uh, a phone, uh, a um, an e-reader, and uh, a camera, and that was it. Oh, it didn't you didn't have any like GPS watches? No, no. Like the maps were really good, and because most of the times we just have one road, uh, it's not hard to navigate. Mm -hmm. uh, and if needed, we we still had like uh, all the maps on our phone as well. So the the phone was good enough uh, together with the maps, 
so I, yeah, we decided to to leave the the the, the bike GPS at home because mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. just one less yeah, device. Yeah, because I know you uploaded to Strava, so you did that just manually. Uh, uh yeah, uh, just uh, with our phones. Wow. Yeah, if you if you put your phone in in like flight mode, it still records your uh, location. So you can you can do a, a whole day of of recording with with your phone and Strava on. Uh, it's pretty, yeah, it works pretty well. And how is the cellular reception outside of towns there? Uh really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. I made like, I, I I'm still not. I still have no idea why I made that stupid mistake. That we we got two SIM cards, but from the same provider. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like yeah. Rookie mistake. Yeah, if you're going with two pers- uh, like two people, get get one from different uh, 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 providers. Because yeah, we noticed that even in towns where there was like a high school and and not that small, uh, even there we we had AT and T, and even then often we we had like zero reception, like just nothing. It would be yeah sometimes like three or four days without having any coverage. And then you see these signs like if you if you see a bear call nine one one. We're like yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's not possible. Well, I think nine one one uses any available carrier. Luckily, we hadn't. Uh, we didn't need to need that. Did you get any injuries? Uh, no. <laughs> Just uh, yeah, we like we, we we at some point we had to look up to do some specific stretching of like. Uh, parts of the leg but but that's about it that's yeah that's awesome that's pretty cool so yeah that that's yeah, it was a, regarding like injuries and getting ill and and uh, mechanical breakdowns uh, we hadn't yeah only uh, no bad luck and that made the, the trip very very special because we could just only enjoy mm-hmm. being being on the bike and being together and in between did you stop like for for lunches and diners or or did you just uh, do everything yourself yeah most of the times we did it ourselves uh, also because we were not going through the, the big cities or even the bigger towns we were more on on the east side of the west uh, states mm-hmm. and there the the towns are just really small and a bit deserted or like mm-hmm. we, we couldn't count on it that there would be some place to to, to get something to eat. Oh, wow. Uh, even though it was on the map, yeah, it often happened that it was already closed for a couple of years. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we always made sure we had had our own food. Um, and the same for the evening. Like, we, we prefer to stay in, like, more, like, uh, in campsites that were just a bit bit better looking, like, more out there in, in nature. So, but that would also mean that that there was no town nearby or no place to eat nearby. So even for for a dinner, we would just uh, prepare everything ourselves. Mm. And did you do the research for campsites um, like every day as you went by, or did you have everything planned already? Yeah, no, we like the maps. That that's something really nice. Like the um, there is a I think it calls the America Adventure Association or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they have maps with with everything on it where you have campsites where you have the little stores the big stores uh, stuff like that so most most of the times just in the evening we would plan over or look at what 
what our destination would be the next day, just to see where we could find something to eat and uh, calculate if we would have to buy stuff for just one evening or maybe for two days. Or I think we had to like the max we had to buy for four days of food. Oh wow! At one time, uh, but but yeah. When we went, when we entered California, it was was only like we we had a shop every day. Uh, it was a little bit less remote, so not much planning needed. But otherwise, like um, outside of towns, I imagine U.S. is very, especially on the West Coast, I guess, is um, desolated, and there's like nothing in between towns. Or yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. There's just one road, and that that means that there's like all the traffic is on that road. Oh, <laughs> uh, so you have to be a bit careful uh, because there are a lot of trucks and and these big RVs passing by but but beside that it's it's uh yeah it was pretty much like all for ourselves the road are there any were there any other cyclists on the road or was it just you two very few uh, because <laughs> there is like from the 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 same association who creates the map uh, creates those maps um there is a route that's f that's following the coastline And that that is yeah much more <laughs> popular uh, because it's flat. We just went through all the mountains, <laughs> uh, and it goes through all the like all the the big cities. So more more people. The, the people we we met on a bike, they were just like uh, more yeah into <laughs> riding on the coast instead of into the mountains. Yeah, if you if you wanted to ride flat, you would drive in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Are these like any special bikes that you that you have? Like, um, so they are more comfortable to to sit on for the whole day, or is there any special modifications that you did to to them? No, actually, they're like twenty years old uh, touring <laughs> bikes, and okay. yeah, yeah, a lot of things are gotten replaced, but but the frame it's it's still uh, from solid steel, and so they're they they're very. Uh, steady so you don't really notice that you're carrying two bags uh, in the back and two bags on front of your your bike mm -hmm. um, and yeah that was the main reason we chose for those bikes yeah but i imagine being made from steel and with all the bags uh, going uphill is quite a challenge yeah going uphill is it's not always the funnest thing to do <laughs> but yeah that was what we signed up for you just go a little bit slower and you uh keep thinking about why am i doing this why am i doing this but, yeah. <laughs> then you go downhill and, and then it's, it's all it's all okay uh, but like on average how how fast were you going i think about um 10 10 to 15 miles per hour so yeah we 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 set everything in miles so <laughs> it was easier for us to um to match it with all the signs and stuff mm -hmm. like that so mm -hmm. i think about around 15 kilometers per hour or Something like that. I think that's that's our, our average. Yeah, but if you go through through hills, that's uh, still quite good. Because even downhill, I probably can't go really fast because like you don't want to um, uh, go out on the first corner. Yeah, that that was like tricky because after a big climb, you 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 do want to go fast. <laughs> and you do want to <laughs> see how fast you can go, but then yeah, you notice that that it's also getting a bit more dangerous because you're you're going like 50 or 60 kilometers per hour uh and with all those bags and the the weight you carry and i'm imagining no no disc brakes just regular brakes no no just regular brakes yeah, yeah that's scary <laughs> going fast and being heavy that thing probably doesn't stop fast yeah no that's true 
<laughs> Once you notice, then you slow down. But yeah. Did you have to do any service on the bikes? No, that was crazy. We we didn't even have a flat tire, so we oh, were wow. very, very lucky. Uh, yeah, I actually was thinking that you had to go through several tires because of the distance, but apparently not even a flat tire. Wow, that's that's great. So it was a bit like afterwards you think, oh, I, I carried all this gear to fix my bike and an extra chain and and all uh, all this equipment. Uh, maybe next time I, I leave it at home. But yeah, if you leave it at home, then next time uh, it will be all all misery and everything <laughs> breaks. So yeah, I mean if you. If you're somewhere where it's like quite crowded, for example, I guess if you would go through Europe, uh, you could probably get away with it because there's like so many towns in walking distance, basically from wherever you are. But I imagine in US that's not the case. If something breaks, like you, there's no not a town for hours. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, luckily, we like we had the 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 idea that if if things really break, like everybody's riding an RV or a pickup and, and they will all be able to, <laughs> to, uh, to transport two bikes, uh, to somewhere else. Yeah. And we, we were like, we speak the language that was a bit different in, in Vietnam, for example, like nobody was speaking English. We were only communicating via Google translate. <laughs> uh, and then, then, you know, that if, if something breaks you, you can, you can show it and hope they can, they can fix it. But there it felt like, um, a more. A place where we would need our own stuff to fix the bikes uh, more than in the US. And even like down south, is there a lot of traffic when when you were going like outside California and all all that? Yeah, actually, like in California, the the I don't know if it's the drivers back there or or just bad luck, but the traffic was was a bit worse than in, worse in, in California. So uh, Oregon felt like the most bike-friendly state. Mm-hmm. That uh, we did Washington, Oregon, and then California, and yeah, Oregon was was really great. Like pretty good uh, bike roads uh, and extra lanes for for bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in California, sometimes we just had to ride at uh, like at the highway. That was the official route, just <laughs> on on the highway. Jesus! <laughs> and even in the national parks, they would like promote you to. Yeah, come by bike because there's so much traffic that, like for example, in Yosemite, there there could be a traffic jam for three hours, oh, wow. just just to get in. Um, but then while driving in Yosemite, I I got run like I almost got hit by by just a Yosemite uh, bus <laughs> was like driving there and and thought it would be a good idea to pass two bikes in in like in a corner. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah, it was really weird that they didn't really like care about people on a bicycle uh, how was the weather like did you have any any problems uh, like any heavy rains or anything like that no no and that, that's also like one of the like when we did some research on on bigger routes in in the world to, to do mm-hmm. um like that route we like other people did it and they say like if you do it in this time of the year you'll have like one or two days of rain maybe uh, and that's that's what happened to us like we had almost no rain and even like in washington every everywhere you where you read you'll get wet in washington washington is wet and yeah. we we all all like we had the the hottest weather there it was <laughs> yeah it was crazy 
Yeah, that's what people said to me when I was in Portland as well. Like, oh, it's very rainy. Like, no one wants to be here because it's so rainy all the time. I was there three weeks in April, like not a single rainy day. And I was like, oh, you're just lying. So people wouldn't come here. <laughs> At the time that you were there, were there any wildfires going on? Or uh, was that just after you left? No, yeah, there were. Uh, so in Washington, we had... But that was mainly because of the fires in, in, in like British Columbia in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have a single day without uh, smoke. Oh, wow. But there, yeah, no fires. And then in Oregon, it was better. And then when we entered California, uh, a big fire just started uh, 15 miles from us the day we did, that we were there. So we woke up and there was like ashes falling down on our tents. Um, yeah, that was a really, really bad day. Um, because at, the, at the, the, the campsite that we stayed that evening, The, they were just up all night because it was, I think, it, yeah, maybe 11 or 12 miles from the campsite to fire. And they were just like, yeah, if, if you hear somebody honking in the middle of the night, it means get up and get out. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. We just... Yeah, I imagine also not very uh, healthy to, to breathe this air. Yeah, that, that's like... Um, we had people stopping saying, hey, you should wear some masks or something, but... It's it's visible that it's the air quality is bad, mm -hmm. but if you ride your bike in in a big city all your life, I think that's that's like, or even not all your life, but that that's that's equally bad, like all the traffic and stuff like that. So it was just for a couple of days. It was pretty much okay. Uh, you recover really really fast, and if you if you don't notice like your if you don't get a, a sore throat or something like that. Um, then actually it's it's okay um, i wouldn't recommend like riding like that for for weeks and weeks but for a couple of days it, it was okay i know here like when the p like the, the particles like pm10 get uh high uh they tell us like oh you should not go outside or whatever uh but uh, i still go for a run so <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe i shouldn't <laughs> <laughs> i think if you don't have any special conditions or if you're like If you're like a senior citizen or if you're a, like a, a very like young people, maybe they shouldn't go out and run. But if you're like middle-aged, a healthy person, no special heart conditions or, or uh, condition at your lungs, I, I, think, it's, I think it's okay. I, I also go out for a run when, when they say, yeah, everybody, or don't go out, don't do any heavy exercise. And I'm like, yeah, yeah but... My training schedule says I have to go for a run. So yeah, I go for a run. <laughs> exactly the same. And there was an interesting app that you were using that I've never saw before called uh, Polar Steps. Um, how, did you, how did you know about it? Like, did someone tell you or is it a, a known thing and I'm just living under a rock? Um, like, um, how, how did this came to be? Yeah, just from, from a colleague at work. Uh, They used it. I don't know how they they got to know about it, but they use it for for a holiday. So it, it it tracks your location. So at the end of the day, you see where you traveled that day, and you can add pictures to like every step you stop. Uh, so whenever you you stop, it will like mark it down, and then afterwards you can just uh, attach pictures to or even a, a little uh, a little bit of text to that uh, place. You could set up a blog and stuff like that, but then it would be probably a bit more hassle to to like send the updates. And mm -hmm. now we could keep it 
private just for family and friends and and whoever wanted to yeah and it's uh it's a like very well done and it looks really like a tool that would be developed like a lot and that a lot of people would use it although i don't know how many people realistically can be users of these products because it's only like for the stuff like you did like it's not it's not useful if you're just like an everyday runner or or something like that no yeah it's true it's just uh when you're when you're taking a a bigger strip uh that it's useful yeah the only problem i had is that you wrote everything in dutch yeah like i'm gonna put the link in the show notes but like um you can only you can look at the pictures it's still it's very nice and you can see where you went um it's like very interesting but like why why dutch why everything in dutch yeah just for for like family uh, okay yeah that wasn't the main reason and uh i don't know we started in dutch and then yeah you just continue. Nah, because it's uh, the same everywhere online. Like your blog is in Dutch, your Twitter is in Dutch. I'm like, oh, I mean, <laughs> like I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought about it a couple of times too, like switch to something else. Um, but my my writing is not that good um, and it's okay-ish in Dutch, but it gets worse. It's not going to get better if you're not going to practice it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, and that actually was fun with the polar steps. Like in the beginning was at in the evening was just like, yeah, we went from this place to this place and it was all uphill or all downhill or stuff like that. And then in the end, it became more like a journal and, and mm. like the road got tougher because the, the mountains were just steeper and we had longer climbs. And it was good to to write down that frustration and, and uh, yeah, well, it became an interesting... Um, an interesting experiment to see like the text evolve uh, from very dry and basic stuff to more personal and yeah i, I wouldn't know i don't understand it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i saw they have like an option to make a travel book out of it like will did you see that will you do that yeah i tried that uh but the problem is it's limited to like 150 pages or something Oh. And if I would print it like our trip is like with all the pictures and the text, it, it would, I think it would be around 300 pages and they don't support it. Mm. And they have limited tools to, um, to choose the layout of the, the, the pages. So I don't need a, a picture on each page. Maybe I would just want a page with like six or seven pictures. Some more options mm-hmm. would be, would be nice. Um, and then I would definitely. Uh, have done it uh, did you did you write to them because like you like your case is definitely one that uh, could be promoted or like is exposed extra i guess yeah not yet but <laughs> i'm planning to <laughs> <laughs> like i said i only look at the pictures but it looks uh looks pretty good so um would you would you do the whole thing again yeah i, I would definitely like recommend it just because it it like that route goes through all the national parks uh in that area and that's just yeah. Those are they're they're amazing. That's so spectacular, and that's it's also big and and stretched out. Mm-hmm. And and then if you're on your bike, it's it's like the like the 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 pace that you're going, the speed that you're you're traveling. That's that's just perfect to to just take in all that beauty of of the nature there. You're not going too fast uh, if you would go if you do it by car. But it's still faster than than if you would walk it, so you can you can see different things in in just a day, and not just like the same mountain uh, all day long. If you would hike it, mm-hmm. uh, so that that's definitely yeah one of the the, the biggest highlights. Um, 
the busy traffic would be a downside mm. to to like uh, recommend it. And do you have any future plans for similar uh, excursions? Uh, not yet. Um, marathon first, but, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, marathon first, and we'll do like uh, a little hiking holiday uh, in in Tenerife uh, mm. later this year. But it, it felt like. Normally, we always come up with with a new destination for a new holiday while we're at uh, like at, at 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 the previous holiday or right after it. Mm-hmm. And now it felt like yeah, we still need some time to digest all all this <laughs> all this months. And if we would like start planning on something new, it it would feel like we're closing the uh, that other trip. And and yeah, it will take some time to actually fully close it and not think of it every day. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and on that high note, like <laughs> I could talk probably for another hour, but um, we have to we have to wrap at some point. Um, so, um, what would be like three books or articles or like whatever that that you could recommend to the listeners? Um, I I did a little bit of like I knew this was coming, so <laughs> <laughs> because I'm really bad at titles and remembering that. Uh, but the first thing, like I I it's a book from. Neil deGrasse Tyson, it calls uh, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. <laughs> and like, I, I really love all like um, I'm, uh, science and, and uh, things about space and stuff. And, and that book really explains a lot of things, mm-hmm. but in a understandable way. So if you don't have a PhD in astrophysics, you still understand uh, yeah, everything and it, it it goes pretty deep, but uh, explained on on a very humany uh, level. So that's that's definitely one I would recommend. And it's it's a, a pretty small book, so you, it's a, it's fun to read. So is it similar in a way to like Stephen Hawking's uh, brief history of time? I would assume it's way less complicated, but um, okay, because that one is also great because like it's meant for um, like idiots like people like me who don't know who are like interested in physics but don't, don't know much and it explains like in a, a human understandable way i have it on my shell but i, I should then pick it up once uh, <laughs> to actually read it <laughs> i haven't read that one um and then other thing i i love to like uh to 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 cook when uh whenever i can and uh there is this a fun YouTube channel uh, for a couple of years now, binging with Babish, and that's a guy who creates or recreates dishes uh, and and meals from uh, TV shows and movies, uh, and sometimes even like totally crazy things from from The Simpsons, uh, like a crayon um, uh, toast, something like that. But <laughs> then he tries to make it actually eatable and. Uh, uh, makes make make try to make it, it yeah uh, taste good. That's so awesome. That's a, yeah, that's a really fun. It's like weekly, uh, and it's, yeah, it became really popular. Uh, he has a book as well, but yeah, that's a really fun thing that I uh, look forward every Tuesday uh, <laughs> to a new video of his. Uh, that's a fun thing. And yeah, last thing, it's maybe not not the entire book, but uh, I really really loved the. Um, like the one chapter 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 of it doesn't have to be crazy at work mm-hmm. from DHH and Jason Fried about uh, no no um so it's it's a whole chapter about why you should say no more often instead of yes 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something like I say yes way, way too often. <laughs> uh, it's it's just, yeah, it's hard for me to say no. And that's something that since I read that, uh, I, I, it, it's in my mind more often. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's really something that, that helps me to, yeah, as long as I, uh, I get reminded of that. It, it helps me to to have some more time for for myself or do less stuff that I, in the end, I don't really want to do or like to do. Or well, I, I guess I'm lucky that you said yes to this podcast. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the whole book is is uh, quite nice. I mean, it's very similar to uh, rework. It's not um, nothing entirely new. So if you follow the the company and and the agent, and like it's pretty much everything just reiterated in nicer way yeah i think for a lot of things it it i didn't really uh, relate to to any of those like issues so maybe it's it's less like that if you're uh, a developer in or yeah somebody working in europe mm-hmm. uh, because we we already have like um, regulations on how much holiday you should get and how much hours you should work in a day and stuff like that and yeah you can you can still go go crazy and and go over that but it feels like yeah a lot of the book was was when i was reading it it felt like okay this isn't really for me because uh i'm i'm yeah maybe not the person who's already working 60 hours uh, a week and stuff like that or more than 60 hours a week yeah there's definitely that but good things about their books is like you can read them quite fast like the chapters are short and there's uh, illustrations there so it's an easy read oh yeah definitely that, that, that's definitely true I, I just in an evening you get through the book and uh, I still got a lot of highlights uh, in the book so so mm. uh, it's it's more than than that one chapter Okay, yeah, um, great. Thank you for uh, for recommendations and for the great check. Uh, like, I, I really enjoyed this uh, conversation. Yeah, uh, you're welcome. And thanks for inviting me. Thank you and bye. Bye. All right, this is my interview with Joran. I would love if you would share this podcast with your friends and followings. Send them a message, a tweet or a Facebook post. You want them to listen to a good podcast, right? If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you would truly make my day if you post a review there. I get a lot of DMs, but no one sees those. Reviews are there for everyone to see, and they help other people discover good shows. Like, you know, this one. If you use a different app like Breaker, Overcast, or anything that supports liking or favoriting, I'd appreciate your action there as well. You can also support this podcast with your hard-earned money. So I would invite you to do so by visiting patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash P-A-R-P-A-S-P-O-D. Or open the show notes in your podcast app and follow the Patreon link there. Thank you. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at Parapasspot on all of them. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website, parallelpassion.com slash 21. Thank you for listening and have a passionate day.